Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast, where we talk about whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy. We're so glad to have you back with us. I'm David Lang, here with my wife, Lisa. Hello. And today we're talking about what's not good. Uh, again, I got to thank uh, Marty Solomon of the Bayma Podcast and uh, Dr. Doug Jacoby. I say Jacoby. I say tomato, tomato. Yeah. Uh, and John Eldridge, uh, these guys, uh, their, their podcasts, their books, their teaching have influenced some of uh, what we're sharing today. So we talked about what's good last time in Genesis chapter one, and we saw that God is good, his heart is good, his creation is good, and that's sort of the starting point. But read with me in Genesis 2, verse 18. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Bum, bum, bum. Um, so what's not good? Being alone. Seven times in Genesis 1, we read it last time, things were good, 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 very good. And then all of a sudden here in chapter 2, something for the first time is not good. And it wasn't the fall of man. It wasn't Genesis 3, you know, the forbidden fruit and the first sin and all that. No, no, no. It was this. It was being alone. That's what was not good. And I find that I find that striking. Part of the image of God in us, it says in Genesis 1, you know, that we're made in the image of God. So I believe what I'm what I'm seeing here is that we are built for relationship. Just as God in his very nature is threefold or trinitarian, he is relational. And so part of being made in his image means that we like him are relational. Yeah. Broken relationships abound in our world though, do they not? Right. I mean, 2020 was a year for broken relationships, mm -hmm. political divisiveness, disagreement surrounding COVID-19, that's still going on. Yep. And you know, we're stuck in our homes. Many have become isolated, withdrawn from relationships. Man, I have struggled with this. I already kind of tend to be independent. What about you? Maybe feeling a little bit lonely, feeling a little disconnected. You're not alone in feeling alone, let me tell you. But here is a lesson from my grandmother, God rest her soul, a lesson that from her that my mother passed on to me from her. You ready? Here it is, wisdom from grandma. If you want a friend, be a friend. If you want a friend, be a friend. People who have friends are people who initiate. Don't wait for others 
to reach out to you. You know, I, I've just recently, I've made a decision here during the pandemic. You know, just, I, I just have started just picking up the phone and calling people. Oh, the phone? The, the phone. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Like, like you mean... To, to watch videos? No, like not videos, not texting. Or email? What? Right. Yeah, we, you can actually use the phone for its original intended purpose. <laughs> to talk <laughs> to someone on the to, other side? To talk to someone. Um, <laughs> so I've been doing that to, to the point where I think it's been annoying Lisa because I like I, I walk in the house and I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm trying to reach out and touch someone, to, to reconnect with friendships with uh, people in my life. Let me tell you the what I call the, the P's of relationship building. You better eat your P's for healthy relationships. All right, number one, the P's of relationships, the P's of healthy relationships. Number one, prioritize people. Put a premium on relationships over other pursuits. That's a lot of alliteration right there. That is a lot of P's. Prioritize <laughs> People. That may sound simple, but like we prioritize things that are important to us. Our jobs, our hobbies, our <laughs> finances. I mean, whatever it is, but prioritize people. Uh, that, that's, like, that's like a revelation in my life. Like, oh yeah, make people a priority if I don't want to end up lonely. <laughs> Number two. Second P, pay a visit or pick up the phone. Simple as that. Pay a visit or pick up the phone. I mean, you just, you have to connect. You have to actually talk. All right, number three, personal connection is a must. What I mean by that, that, that personal connection, like sharing experiences together, sharing laughter sharing some time together, sharing our deep thoughts together, sharing our dumb thoughts, both deep and dumb thoughts must be shared in order to have a personal connection. Thoughts on episodes of TV shows you yes. know your friends watch too. Yes, you know, people are binging. So uh, <laughs> connect, per make a personal connection. And then here's the last, the fourth P. <laughs> um, prepare to be let down. Prepare to be let down. You're going to have to constantly forgive people. And many people will not return, you know, your friendship as you had hoped they would. But keep doing what grandma said. Keep being a friend. If you want a friend, be a friend. Man, I think about my dad as well. Um, my dad's example here. He's always seeking to connect with other people, always expressing love and appreciation to people, like, like expressing it, saying it, reaching out. And all of this from a man who wanted to be a park ranger and spend all of his days alone out in the woods before he became a Christian. And now, even as his memory is fading, he, he's really dealing with some, some aging, you know, some struggles there in his memory. And yet he constantly is reaching out 
to connect with people, his family, his friends. Every day he calls old friends who've moved on from his life. They live around the world, around the country. He calls them up to connect. So what's not good? Being alone. You feeling alone right now? Feeling a little disconnected? I think many of us are. That's not good, my friends, being alone. All of this was before the fall in Genesis chapter 3. But let's actually look over to Genesis 3 here for a second um, for one more very important lesson from the fall of man. Um, let's read here. I call this, so that was, that was what's not good, being alone. But I call this never enough. Never enough. Never enough. There it is. Never, Greatest never. showman. You didn't want me to do it, so you I did know, it. I did it. It would have been painful. <laughs> never enough. <laughs> I should have sung all by myself. Yeah, no, we didn't need that. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Genesis 3. Let's talk about never enough. What, what are we talking about? We're not talking about the song from The Greatest Showman. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here it is. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? And we know the story. They respond to God. And this is how it all begins. So, okay, what was Satan's temptation for them? I mean, what, what was actually happening here? I believe what we're seeing here is that the temptation was a desire for more combined with suspicion that maybe God was holding out on them. And all of a sudden, it's not enough. Remember chapter one? Remember episode one of the podcast? It was good. Oh, it was so good. But then all of a sudden, there's this suspicion. Wait a second. Maybe God's holding out. Maybe there's, maybe it's not good. Or maybe there's something good that he's holding out on from us. And so when God is no longer enough, 
then we start taking matters into our own hands and and we build and then we build patterns of sin into our life that's what adam and eve did that's what cain did when he killed his brother abel they were all taking matters into their own hands and reaching outside of god's will because maybe god's not enough and, and now like the, the ailment of humanity, the condition of humanity that we find ourselves in is that it's never enough. It's never enough for us. So what do we do? We, we go to alcohol. We go to chemicals. We go to pornography. We go to our work. We go to success. We go to politics. We go to social media. We go to ranting on social media. Taking matters into our own hands just like they did. And to break that cycle, one thing is needed. We've got to decide to trust God again, to be surrendered to God, that he will be enough. He was enough in Genesis 1. It was good, very good. And so I called us to repent in, in last episode, repent of our lack of joy because it's good, but I want to call us to repent today of this. What's the fruit that you've been reaching out for that's sinfully destructive and distracting in your life? What's what's pulling you away from just the, the goodness of God? Where in your heart do you go when you feel like, ah, oh, it's not enough? I need more. Confess it. Renounce it. And then trust God that you don't need it. You just need him. God is enough. He knows what's best for us. Trust him. Trust him. Lisa's going to share for us here, babe. Go ahead. Thanks. Um so I'm a person who tries to gain confidence from what I accomplish. And when I'm not able to do, do, do and get things done, I feel like I fall short, like I'm not good enough. Right. Um, and I want to talk some about that now when when we feel like we're not enough. Yes, um, You know, one of the reasons um, my world was rocked when I had babies was this idea of, uh, you know, not feeling good enough, not being able to get things done. Um, I adore my children and I wouldn't trade them for anything, but having babies really changes what you are able to accomplish in a day. Yeah. Many days, it was hard to even manage a shower. I could only change diapers, feed the baby and make him feel, uh, you know, make the baby stay alive. <laughs> um, I felt insecure as a young mom, not able to do and accomplish all that I could before I had children. And every summer break, I kind of go through the same struggle that, um, and I basically just went through the same kind of struggle over the past year where my children were home doing online school. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Our kids have needs all the time, and if you are a mom, you are used to getting interrupted every few minutes, maybe sometimes even every few seconds. Somehow, this doesn't happen to dads. Oh, come on. The kids could be in the same room with David, but will search to find me while I'm in the bathroom to ask me questions through the door that they could easily have just asked him. I don't know why. I tell them to go away. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So they come find mommy. But I love them. (laughs) Yes, you do. Um, You know, I'm also a creative person. I can find my head spinning sometimes with all the projects and things that I want to do and accomplish. If I wrote them all down, like all the ideas I have of things that I could do and want to do, it would be completely overwhelming. From things that I want to build for my home, even though I probably have no idea how to build them, um, from like to, to music videos that I want to create, complete with original songs and choreography that I would like to film. Um, not to mention that there are people that I want to serve and help in my life and friends that I want to spend time with. Um, there's, there's never enough time. Um, it's also really hard for me to relax. I always feel like I need to be doing something. I have a hard time just like watching a movie unless I'm at a movie theater and I, I can't do anything except sit there and like remember eat popcorn. Remember movie theaters? Oh, I remember that. That's awesome. Remember the popcorn? I remember that. Oh, the popcorn. Unlimited. <laughs> um, you know, if I'm home, I need to like fold laundry while I'm watching something so I can feel like I'm still being productive and not wasting time. Um <laughs> So from listening to the Bayma podcast, I know we've we've mentioned that a lot, and uh, we've been very inspired by that. Shout out to Marty and Brent. Uh, you guys are awesome. Um, I've learned that uh, the first audience to hear God's creation story would have been the newly freed Jews who had been enslaved in Egypt. When they heard the creation story after being slaves in Egypt and heard for the first time that God created the world, and then on the seventh day— He said, enough, and rested. Rest was a new concept for them. These people had probably not ever had a day of rest in their lives. In fact, they had to be hard workers, great workers who could accomplish a lot because their lives literally depended on it. If they weren't good workers, they could be cast aside, killed, their wives and daughters given away as slaves and mistreated. They were brickmakers, and they received their value, their literal value to their master, by how many bricks they could make. In the creation story, God was telling them that there comes a point in your hard work that you have done enough, it is good, and you should stop and rest because you are done. You are good enough. You have accomplished enough. Enough. Rest. God was telling them that their value, according to their heavenly master, was not based on how many bricks they could make, but by who he saw them as. And what God saw them as was good and enough. Their value to God was not based on how much they could accomplish. God created them and called his creation good. So how about us? Mm -hmm. How about me? Do I try to get my self-confidence from how much work I can accomplish? Do I believe I am really good enough if I have a day where I don't seem to get much done? Do I know when I have done enough work and it is time to stop? Some of us are workaholics. 
We pride ourselves on how much we can do, and we never stop. We even pride ourselves on being such hard workers. We work so hard, we don't get enough sleep, and we work ourselves sick. We can even pride ourselves on working through sickness. We show up to work sick when we should be home resting. Of course, hopefully not too many of us have done that this last year with COVID, um, but I bet some of us have. We tell ourselves, it's just allergies. I've already vomited like five times today, but it's just allergies. Quote from Leslie Nope there. Women workers? <laughs> yes. Um, we tell ourselves, my work is too important for me to stop. I am too essential, and I have to keep going. For some of us, our jobs are the kind that it's hard to see the end. The work is never really done, so it's hard to know when to take a stop and to, to, to take a break and to stop. Some of us don't want to stop working because we feel like we need to make more money. Some might even say, well, I really do need more money. Why? Is it because you have debt you need to pay off? How did you get in that debt? Was it in pursuit of more education, a bigger house that it's hard to afford unless you work the number of hours you work? Or is it debt that you accumulated because you wanted things you didn't have the money for, but you bought them anyway? (laughs) I have been there. And I say this not to be judgmental, but to say I've been there. I have bought clothes, meals out, expensive haircuts, all sorts of things I didn't have the money for, charged on the credit card. Poor David had to deal with some of that when we first got married. (laughs) All because I didn't know when to say enough. I don't need it. Sometimes this idea of not knowing when to say enough can even permeate the church and the good things we do. We can be workaholics about good things, serving others until we make ourselves sick teaching others about Jesus so much to the point that we neglect our loved ones living in our own homes, not spending the time we need to with our children or spouses, not shutting off our brains and focusing on the present, what is before us, here and now. To those of us that are disciples of Jesus, do we feel we only have value to God when we are doing His work, are sharing our, out sharing our faith, studying the Bible with others, and seeing results from our labor? Is it hard for you to stop and pray because your mind is always racing, focused on the next thing you need to do? And if you do pray, are your prayers focused on what you need to do? Or do you ever take time to just sit and be still in the presence of God Mm. and listen? So what am I learning here? I share all this because this is all something that I'm learning right now. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I am learning to be still and be okay with being still and not getting as much done as I want to get done. My value to God as a person doesn't come from how much I can get done in a day, how clean my house is, how many projects I can finish and create, how much I can accomplish, how many people I can help or serve, or or even how effective I am as a minister or how many people I baptize. God created me and loves me so much that he gave up his own son's life so he could have a relationship with me. Mm God doesn't love me because of the good things that I do. He simply loves me because he made me. That is enough for him. I am enough. 
that doesn't mean I should stop trying to repent of sin and become more like Christ every day, but my value doesn't come from how good I am. God loves me no matter what. I refrain from sin, knowing when to say enough to show my gratitude for what he has done for me and my love for him. And I'm also learning to rejoice in God, even though I may not feel like I'm accomplishing much or seeing results from my labor. Habakkuk 3, verse 17 and 18 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior." Even if nothing gets done that I think should get done, I will rejoice. Even if I can't do what I want to do, I will rejoice. Even if I don't have everything I think I need right now, I will rejoice. I wrote this little uh, rewrite a, a, about a year ago. And uh, looking back, I think it's uh, it's pretty crazy that this has all been going on for a, a year now, mm -hmm. but I think it still rings true today. So a COVID pandemic rewrite of this verse in Habakkuk could be, though the schools are closed and the kids are home destroying the house, though we have run out of toilet paper and all the stores are sold out, though the sales clerk at the grocery store coughed on my groceries and we have no hand sanitizer, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. I am learning to see myself more through God's eyes and that if he says I'm good and enough, then I am. I just need to believe him. Wow, that is so good. Thank you, Lisa, for sharing all that. Um, well, you shared a little bit about back in Genesis 1, the seventh day, the seventh day of creation ends up being the surprising main point of the story. At the heart of Genesis 1, it's not a story about creation, but a story about rest, Sabbath. How we find our true rest, Sabbath, in God. Because He is enough. Much, much more to say on this point but time won't allow it right now. Um, you know, we don't have to live a life of striving and angst. We can be at rest even as we partner with God on His mission to restore and renew all things. The message ends up being that God is looking for partners who will trust Him and help Him put the world back together. But it starts with this, where we were at last time. We believe that God is good, very good. We need to trust him and obey him. He'll sort it all out. Jesus will fix it. After a while, we sing that old song. Jesus, he will fix it in a while. He will fix it. But after a while, there's a great line in um, The Return of the King. Tolkien has, uh, it says here, Samwise says, Gandalf. I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? A great shadow has departed, has departed, said Gandalf. And then he laughed, and the sound was like music, or like water in a parched land. Everything sad is going to come untrue someday, <laughs> but not yet. 
Once upon a time, the world was good. It was very good in the beginning. God was enough for us, and we were enough for him. And God is still enough right now during a pandemic in 2021. God is enough. Thanks for being with us. I hope this has been helpful. We've learned about what's not good. We've learned about, hopefully, that we <laughs> to not have that attitude of never enough because God is good. We'll see you next time as we're going to start talking about prayer. Thanks for being with us Thanks today. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.